Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Payoff pitch and Wallace drills this one to deep right field. That's way back. Way gone. Walk off home run. Skyler Wallace and Alabama advances to the semifinals as that one went off of the SEC now set in right center field. The payoff to the SEC player of the year. Got her looking on the outside corner, and the pitcher of the year goes nuts as Sarah Cornell strikes out Abby Cheek. Oh, boy, what a moment for the Hofstra transfer, and the side is retired. The 1-0 is drilled to deep center field. Way back, way gone. Get out the mustard and the right. Sides. This one is hit high and hard, out to center, drifting way back, and gone! KB Sides, are you kidding me? The swagger, Alabama with a huge, huge three-run shot. It's 5-1, to one, Crimson Tide, pandemonium at Rhodes. The party's getting started, Tom. 1-1, one, one. and that ball is driven to deep left field. That's way back, we're gone! Another three-run homer for the Crimson Tide here in the bottom of the first inning. It's 6-0 Alabama. What a moment for the senior Mary Schroeder, and what a first inning for Alabama as Kelly Barnhill in what will probably be her final game at Florida has been chased in the first inning. Payoff pitch to Hardy. That one is lined through to center field for a base hit. Go! Chloe comes home. The throw is through in time. And Alabama walks it off. So a single by Caroline Hardy. And we're playing again in 30 minutes. Welcome in to the Out of the Box podcast, episode 19 of the show. Gray Robertson, Tom Canterbury here because honestly at this point, you know who's hosting this podcast, <laughs> and who's surprised to see us back on this Monday night as we record, Tuesday or whatever day you're listening, discussing yet another crazy weekend of college softball. The uh, the roller coaster went both up and down all weekend, so that was a lot of fun, and I can't believe this is episode 19. It is. That's crazy. All time. We have sat in these chairs now 19 times. Wow. Well, we, we did a couple on location. Okay, but 16 you're, times, <laughs> Right, yeah. but overall, amazing. So I'm, I'm very excited. It should be a lot of fun, good show, because uh, we have good guests, and we have a lot of fun softball to talk about. Yeah, shall I go over the trip around the bases? Uh, please do. Yes, you can follow along as you 
trot like the children did at Rhodes after the Sunday game. So only children are supposed to do that? Somebody came up to us and said, are you going to run the bases? And I said, run? (laughs) (laughs) No. No. We will start at the plate, per usual, and talk about Alabama taking two of three over Arkansas and what was the best of times and the worst of times, really. We'll try and decipher what happened and then preview the T-Town showdown this upcoming weekend. We will advance to first and talk about conference play in the SEC. It's here. It's like the real season has started. I know, and yes. things happened. Mm-hmm. A lot of them. <laughs> Very exciting. We predicted some of them correctly. Y- hey, you did better than me. Wow. We'll get to that when we get <laughs> to uh, the picks portion. I can't wait for that wrap up. <laughs> Then we will steal second with Amanda Scarborough, who is very excited to come on, and I'm very excited to talk with her because there's so much to discuss. Absolutely. She has a lot of good insight, especially being able to come from a pitcher and their their standpoint on how things go, so it's going to be a lot of fun talking with her. Yeah, because it's a weird year for pitchers. We've talked very about odd. that. Yeah. is in the SEC and nationwide. It's just an odd year for pitchers. Even the, the most dominant pitchers are not having the type of years that they normally would. Yeah. Which, in some ways, it makes it fun, but other ways, very frustrating. Yes, certainly in some cases. Yes. Then we will round third and do on second thought, just like we did last year. We made our landmine and goldmine picks. Mm-hmm. Now we will look back at those and see, eh, do we still want to ride with it, or how do we do we want to back off? Yeah. Uh, we'll see. I feel like we're in the same mix. We're like, bag. yeah. There I, are, I, feel, I feel good about a couple of them. I feel really good about a couple of them. Me too. I will say that. And then finally... We will head home. We've got picks. We've got off the wall. And then we'll close it up. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, let's start with the Alabama-Arkansas series. The Crimson Tide takes two of three in Tuscaloosa against the Razorbacks. And it was an interesting series. Game one went to Arkansas one nothing. You know, we try and spin it positively as much as we can, but we also keep it real. And there was a moment where... You, myself, and SID extraordinaire Nathan Sheehan were sitting in the press box saying, I'm, I don't know what happened tonight. Right. And it was one of the more perplexing games I have called on the television side. I know in the last few years, certainly you have called and that we have seen together yeah. uh, in a very long time. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was just it was a frustrating day. It was one of those things where, yes, the UCLA game was frustrating, but at the same time, I wasn't just overall stunned by it happening because we knew UCLA was really, really good. If you're not 100% on your game, it's not going to go well for you. Right. And Farimo was just untouchable. And I'm not, again, I think, I feel like I need to do a little bit of a apology to Autumn Storms. We, you know, we kind of, me too. Yeah. I kind of mea culpa. She looked like the all American Autumn Storms on Friday. I think part of that was because Alabama had had good success against Autumn Storms in the past. So, we were like, how is she an All-American? And then we see, oh, oh, this is, oh, yeah. this is what she normally does. We just hadn't seen her do that. And we kind of saw her come back to what she normally does on Sunday against Alabama. But that being said, I, I think you got to give a lot of credit to her. But at the same time, I thought Alabama had a lot of opportunities that they just didn't take advantage of. It was disappointing. And we were all texting that night and into the morning saying, look, we're going to find out a lot about this team on Saturday and Sunday, and boy, did we. Because a lot of the problem on Friday was it seemed like there was no energy. Right. And even at the beginning of Saturday, it seemed like there was no energy. And then something happened. There was a switch that was flipped, Mm -hmm. and Alabama looked like the Alabama we were expecting coming into the year. Alabama outscored Arkansas in games two and three, 19 to three, and out hit the Razorbacks 23 to eight. That'll work. Yes, and you got great weekends from 
KB Sides, 7 of 9, 3 RBI, and an OBP, Tom, of 818. <laughs> Utterly ridiculous. Insanity. Yes. Kendall Best Sides, really T- good. Doing that in, in conference play is just amazing. And, you know, that's something we've talked about with KB since she stepped on campus, that she was a five-tool player. She had the ability to be an All-American. She'd shown flashes of it in the past. But she's really kind of rounding into it here in her junior year. Yeah, she's looking great. Alexis Mack was really good on her senior day. Six for ten. Had that just beautiful triple. Oh, oh, that was I could watch that video (laughs) for hours of her standing in, hitting away and making the right fielder for Arkansas Malkin just absolutely regret coming in as shallowly as she did. It was a rough weekend for Malkin in, in right was. field overall, but yeah, not, that's one of my favorite calls on the radio that I've made in a while was when Max steps in and swings away, because I've said before the pitch happened that the outfield was still playing her as a slapper, even though she was swinging away. We don't see Max swing away very often, but she knows she has the ability to, and uh, she really made Arkansas pay for it. She did. And Skylar Wallace had a good day. Sunday was three for three and, had a fantastic little post-game interview. That was a lot of fun. A-bomb. <laughs> oh, look out. Uh-oh, get the bleeper ready. <laughs> Not on this show, but if you watch the video. And then Maddie Morgan just continues to be steady. And I think all of this, especially the offense, Saturday, Sunday, all the more impressive because it was a weirdly hitless weekend for Bailey Hempel. Yeah, that's one thing that I think is a, a positive for Alabama moving forward right now is that Alabama has been able to score these runs without Bailey Hemphill, really. Uh, she didn't even walk until the last game of the series. Uh, so it, it was. she came up with several opportunities to knock in runs and, and be the Bailey Hemphill that we we're expecting her to be. And uh, just for one reason or another, it's not happening for her right now. It will happen eventually. Yeah. This is not going to be a season-long thing, I don't think, for Bailey Hemphill. So when that does happen, if the rest of this offense continues to do that, this is going to be a very scary offense. They will be. You know, there is one part of the order that has been a bit up and down. I ran the numbers last night, and 789 has been inconsistent, mm-hmm. to say the least. And the yep. wins, 789 is hitting 311. They've driven in 19 runs. In the losses, 9 of 60 for a 150 average with just one RBI. Right. So it's clear now that the question has shifted. From in the past, we've asked, okay, who behind Bailey Hemphill is going to come through? Now it's who behind all the stars you've got at the top of the order can come up with a hit or two. Yeah. Because it, sometimes it just takes one. But who can come up with that clutch hit or two to get you over the hump and win some of these close games? We did see Jenna Johnson have her first home run of her career. Savannah Woodard had a hit. Uh, we had Abby Dorr get a couple hits, which was great to see. It's just getting them at the right times now <laughs> that that will uh, make the big difference. Uh, I think one of the telling stats is Maddie Morgan's lack of runs scored, despite seems like she's on base all the time. Yeah, and that's because you know people behind her are not knocking her in. But you kind of just have to weather the storm. I think until Alyssa Brown comes back. Because I would assume that she will be the nine-hole hitter when she comes back if things continue on. I, I would not be shocked if Skylar Wallace continues to be the leadoff with Mack at two until that happens. But either way, I think you'll be able to put somebody where it's not three freshmen at the bottom of the order. Mm-hmm. I think that'll really help things out. And you'll be able to, I think, switch people out. You'll be able to have, all right, Savannah Woodard, you're not going to hit today. 
you're going to just play second. Right. Abby Dorr, you've got the day off at the plate. You can just catch. Yeah. And that'll be really easy for everybody. Yeah, I think that'll definitely help. Interesting to see that Lexi Kilfoyle in two games that she pitched, she did not hit. Yeah, and that's that's part of it. You know, when Lexi Kilfoyle pitches and hits, obviously you've got somebody in the flex, which is what I was just referring to, but mm. that didn't happen this weekend. I don't know I don't know if that'll be the case going forward because she pitched really well and she hadn't quite found her footing at the plate, but again, I think I think you keep trying it. You keep trying it and see if she can get comfortable by about mid-conference play. If it's not happening then, then maybe you move on and let yeah. some of the other bats come in. This might be a good weekend for that since you're non, in non-conference with the T-Town Showdown. You know, I don't know if you do it against Texas, but if you do it against either BYU or Bryant, that could be the, the way to go. The one concern I still have, and we joked about it, but it's still a thing. Alabama run ruled Arkansas, which means they right. didn't have to play in the seventh. <laughs> yeah, both times. And it was like, I will take a run rule victory any day. I'm Absolutely. very excited for them. You know, the, the least amount of chance you have to uh, to lose a game, I'm happy for. But I, at one of those, I was like, I'd be okay if we played a seventh there inning There was here. a part of me that yeah. kind of hoped that Saturday game did go into the seventh at right. about seven two eight two, just right. so the team knew they could do it. Right. And that they didn't have to run rule to win some of these games against good competition. Right. Because, again, oh, it's got to be like 95% mental at this point of what's going on in the seventh inning. I mean, there is there is an element of uh, the physical, you know, beat down of the what has happened. You, you know, Kilfoyle have pitched two games and it's the seventh inning of the second game that she really struggles or something like that. So I think there is a physical breakdown at some point, but it's mostly mental. And you, you got to think if Alabama gets through it one time against a good team, that that'll hopefully be the end of it. I would hope so, but it's got to happen once. Right. And Alabama has been too good in some of these wins <laughs> right. to let it happen. You know, I think Gosh, it could have happened it. against Washington right. had they gotten there at seven, nothing, but I mean, again, I'm not going to complain about run roll wins. No, not at all. You would love for the team just to get over that hump against mm-hmm. somebody. Yeah. And maybe it's this weekend. I don't know. Right. And, you know, and it doesn't have to be necessarily against the UCLA or LSU, but, you know, somebody who has a good name. Like, if it happens with Texas, that'd be great. If, if Alabama has a good enough lead where it's not a run roll, but it's a comfortable margin in the seventh inning against Texas, I think it, you're in a really good spot to begin with. But that might be the case. But, you know, if they do it against the BYU, you know, maybe, maybe the next week against Tennessee, that would definitely be a, a positive. Yeah. Let's dive into those games this weekend, shall we? Mm-hmm. The T-Town Showdown. And it's one game a day. How does oh, that feel? How glorious. Thank you, BYU. It's my favorite Favorite thing. And I talked to Coach Murphy about that in one of the pregame interviews that, you know, I think it was before the Friday game against Arkansas. Yes, you're playing good teams winning into the conference or you get into a tournament like this with just one time. But there's almost a, a sigh of relief of we only have to f- worry about one team each day. Right. You know, you, it's, it's, it's a tough part of the season when you have to start off. You're playing all in these great tournaments. And I think they're, they're great for the sport. But my gosh, it's hard to have to worry about playing Washington and UCLA and and USF all in like in a in a twenty four forty eight hour period. Right. My gosh. <laughs> and even if it's not, you know, it's not a marquee tournament. Even though you're still having your when you're Alabama, you know you're going to face the number one pitcher from whatever team you're facing. Yeah. And you have to face multiple teams, multiple pitchers. It's it's got to be tough. So maybe the fact that now we're we're on to just one team a day here for the rest of the time. It will help things out. I know. We'll see one number one pitcher 
Miranda Ellish is back at Rhodes. Folks. Yes, she is. And she is mad. I assume. I don't know. I haven't talked to her, but Not she's a- pitching like she's angry. You're right. She looks like a player of the year type player. I think the star has fizzled slightly because a lot of other players have kind of popped up, but Ellish is crushing it at the plate and in the circle. Right. Didn't she throw another no hitter? Perfect, oh, perfect game, game of yeah. the weekend. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, she's yeah, she's really, really good. Uh, and it was interesting to hear. I've heard Texas people talk about how the incident that happened during the Super Regionals when she got hit in the face, how that that has really just been a, a rallying point for the team. Again, it was it was a total freak accident. Alabama actually didn't have anything to do with it, but it was a, a total freak thing. The, the way that the Alabama fans responded to her the next day when they announced her that she was there. I thought it was really classy and really good for Alabama. At the same time, it's become a rallying point for this t- Texas team. They probably thought that they were in a good spot to, had that not happened, to have won that Super Regional. Right. And, you know, it cost them a chance to go to the World Series and a chance for them to try to make up for that here this year. Yeah, and they've got two games, Friday, Sunday. I will be on TV for the Friday game. You will have radio. And then Sunday, Alabama, Texas, the GoPro is back. Wow. We will be back. You're actually going to come on the radio? Yes, I will. I will be come back. screeching in from Nashville <laughs> at the SEC tournament to roll right. in and make it for that game. You got TV. You got her on assignment with the SEC uh, basketball tournament. All sorts of stuff happening. I'm just, I'm not, my teachers hate me. Let what me a, tell you. What a, what a week. So going into this weekend, how do we feel about the lineup? Because I remember I walked in to the booth on Saturday and said, uh, do you see Skylar Wallace leading off? I Is did. there a reason for this? And you said, I mean, okay. I thought, I'm not a big fan of it, but it worked. It did. Coach Murphy mentioned in uh, the pregame interview on Sunday, I was talking about Alexis Mack, was just an opportunity to kind of take a little bit of pressure off her. She thought He thought that in the Friday game that she was pressing too much, trying to get on base to start things off every time, mm. and thought that maybe, you know, just move her down one. Scholar's done an excellent job in leadoff when she's been asked to do it for Alabama in the past, so she steps in and she did out- outstanding. Yeah, she loves um, pressure, too. Right. I mean, she does not care right. about it at all. And, I'm not, and I don't think Mac necessarily doesn't like pressure, but an opportunity to take it off of her when she is pressing I think was really good, and you saw her really respond well in great games on both Saturday and Sunday. So yeah, I would not be shocked if that's still the case when we move forward. And last week we referenced the three, four hole discussion KB sides, Bailey Hempill. We both advocated for moving Bailey back up. I kind of recant that now. I think mm-hmm. until Bailey is Bailey again, KB sides deserves to be at the plate in the first inning. I think at, as much as we can, you need Bailey. I mean, you need KB sides at the plate, wherever you got to put her to get to get her on at the plate as many as much many times as possible. That's where you need to go because she is. I don't know if there's anyone, maybe nationwide, that is seeing the ball as well as KB sides is right now. And you got to get her on and get her on base as much as you can. I mean, how good was KB sides? Alabama had five hits in game one against Arkansas. She had three of them, right? Three for three night, and yeah. she's been crushing it. The pitching was, I think, really good this weekend. Overshadowed in the loss to Arkansas was a really solid performance by Montana Fouts. I think still a B from her, but she's getting closer to working back to that A. So now we get into the pitching rotation question Mm. going into this weekend. Knowing that you've only got one game a day, so you don't have to worry about Mm-hmm. holding people arms back being right. tired and double headers yeah it's a it's a really tough question uh, I think it's I think you're right I think it was overshadowed I think it was a really good pitching weekend for the Crimson Tide uh, I thought 
you you were having to pitch yourself out of jams a lot more than I than I would like. But she did. But she did. And we didn't right. see her necessarily get out of those jams unscathed. Exactly. To start the year. Right. And, and that was for both Lexi and Montana. I think they both were having to pitch themselves out of jams a lot, but they did a good job in doing that. You know, I would love to see them just shutting people down all the time. But that's just not going to happen. I don't think anybody is just going to do it every game. I I really don't know. I, I think. I think you go probably Lexi in the first game against Texas and Montana in the second game against Texas. Okay. I've got my idea if you want me to okay. share it. Okay. Please do. Montana against BYU. Lexi Kilfoyle, game one against Texas. Hmm. Bryant, you can probably you can start anybody, Crystal or Sarah. And then you decide, based on what you've seen that weekend, maybe start Montana, bring in Lexi to relieve in that second game against Texas, but right. I think you do want to get Montana some innings on the weekend before a potential matchup against Texas. Probably Don't necessarily so. throw her in the fire quite yet. Yeah, I think I like that idea. I think that's a good good plan. I know the plan was against Arkansas on Sunday was you know Kilfoyle and then Montana, but then Lexi was just cruising, so right. you know no reason to make a change there. But and note everybody, Montana's not hurt. She's on the dog doghouse. She's not hurt. Everything's fine. Didn't we just? Didn't we just? We have that literally, conversation? we literally just did. If someone's not playing, that's because someone's a better matchup. Someone's right. just playing better right now. Yes. And there's no need for that person to be in the game. There you go. And yet, and yet, we have to do an off the wall segment. Seventy five comments coming up. Where's later Montana? On. Is she hurt? She must be hurt. No. Oh, she's she's literally standing right there in the dugout, helping Steph send in the 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 pitches. She's right there, ready to go. She's warming up. She's not needed right now. Everything's fine. Lexi Kilfoyle is really good, by the way. I don't know if anyone's noticed. <laughs> it's like people don't want to think Lexi Kilfoyle is good. <sighs> right. The, they think that we're getting too into off the wall. Already. I know. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. But, geez. but hey, Alabama's got more than Montana fouls. Just a <laughs> yes. reminder that but, the yeah. SEC Pitcher of the Year has thrown like 15 innings right. this season. <laughs> she's pinched running, for goodness sakes. <laughs> Oh, and by the way, Crystal Goodman's looked good when she's pitched, too. Yeah. Everybody calm down. It's okay. It's all good. Sorry. It's all okay. Right. Hey, get it out now because it's... it's there's there's be, more coming. It's going to be a fun off-the-wall segment later <sighs> on, folks. That's it. Our discussion of Alabama's two out of three series win over Arkansas. But, oh, Tom, we're in the box and we've put it in play. Yes. I'm not even going to ask you. We are KB Oh, got to be. 100%. <laughs> because that's all she's done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We are KB Sides. We have hit a single right up the middle to drive into, and it's time to advance the first. Conference play has begun in the SEC. All the series are done almost. Kentucky and Texas A&M are finishing as we record right now. We'll talk about all of it when we get back here on the Out of the Box Podcast. Welcome back. We're advancing to first here on the Other Box Podcast. Gray Robertson and Tom Canterbury here talking about the Southeastern Conference. What a time. Wild, wacky stuff going on. What is going on? You know, we say nobody's safe. Right now as we are recording, Kentucky has just taken a 4 nothing lead on a first-inning Grand Slam over Texas A&M. That means nothing. I wouldn't be shocked if all of you folks, as you're listening to this Tuesday morning, see that A&M came back to win. Right. I mean, who knows it's what's going on? certainly could happen. Who knows? All right. That's one of the series we're going to talk about. We're going to start in the swamp. Florida sweeping Auburn, won games one and three by a combined 17 nothing score. Mm-hmm. And then game two was a marathon. Florida won 2-1. 
My main takeaways when I look at that, either the Florida pitching is better than we expected or, and I think correctly, the Auburn offense is going to be their downfall this yeah. season. Uh, I think that's what that's what it is. Scoring one run over three games uh, will not get it done, especially when uh, you had it added in four extra innings there in yeah. one of those games. I think Florida's pitching is pretty good, but not I don't think good enough to hold down a team that has a good offense that long. So I think I think it says a lot more about the Auburn offense. Yeah, and the Auburn pitching struggled a bit as well. I went through and took out Samantha Yarbrough's stats versus the rest of the Auburn pitching staff's stats. Samantha Yarbrough threw 10 of the 11 innings in game two, gave up one run. It was earned. The rest of the staff in 10 innings on the weekend, an 11.2 ERA. It's a problem. Yeah, not good. No. Not good. So I'm not sure what we learned this weekend. I think really the Florida should have swept. I'm not going to give them any extra praise. Frankly, you're at home against a bad team. Probably should have swept. Yeah. And I think Auburn's about what we thought they were. I think I think it more than anything, it just solidified what we thought about Auburn, especially. Uh, still, would like to, we'll have to see what Florida can do as they move on against some better teams in the conference. They're going to be a contender. They're going to be good. Ugh. I know. How dare? How and un- dare they? And unfortunately, Alabama doesn't play Florida this year in the regular season. I'm glad Man. you added in the regular season. In the regular season, because yes. it will happen in the postseason somewhere. Hopefully just in the SEC tournament. Get excited for an SEC tournament championship between Alabama and Florida. For for a change, because that never happens. (laughs) Never. We've never seen that. Uh, Gosh. Another series in Athens. Georgia taking two of three at home over South Carolina. South Carolina won game one. Georgia won game two in extras. And then in a run rule game in game three, Georgia won 11 to three. We both said Georgia would win 2-1. Yep. And it kind of went down about... As I expected, I thought South Carolina would steal a game. They kind of gave away game two, a defensive error from Jana Johns over at third, one of the best third basemen in the conference, did them in in the ninth inning. But overall, I thought it was a pretty valiant effort from South Carolina, considering Kelsey O and Jotar are still out. I thought it was actually a testament to South Carolina that we were saying that that it was going to be just a 2-1 and not a sweep because of the because of the pitching injuries for the Gamecocks. But, yeah, to have that, to have an opportunity to win a series on the road, go to extra innings and lose that in game two, that's tough. Uh, we'll see how they can bounce back after losing uh, by the run rule in game three moving forward. That's That, that, could, be a, that could be an early backbreaker. Well, that's the other thing. I'm worried about game three for South Carolina because they've got, they've got two pitchers in Heath and Oaks that they look like they trust. They've got a third who's thrown against weaker competition, but I'm not sure they're ready for her to be facing off against the SEC. How do Oaks and Heath look when they're facing a team a second time? And so far, 0 for 1. Right. Yeah. And uh, as far as Georgia goes, good outings from uh, Mary Wilson Avant. The hitting hitting came alive there after uh, uh, just two runs in the first game to get six and then 11. So, Kind of a similar situation to Alabama's, actually, the way that that series went. Yeah. So just see the offense come alive for the Bulldogs, and that's what they're going to need. They're going to need enough offense to be able to offset when Mary Wilson either isn't throwing or doesn't have her A game. I'm fascinated by Georgia. You know who they go to this weekend? They're traveling to Fayetteville. To Fayetteville, yeah, which will be interesting. I don't know what to think. We're going to pick it later, but... We're going to see if the Georgia offense can travel. Right. And how Mary Wilson Avant looks when she has to pitch probably a lot away from home. And see how All-American Autumn Storms looks at home. Yeah. Against that type of an offense. Is she also still an All-American? Right. Again, we have kidded her in the past, but I actually kind of dig it now. 
I, I understand. I mean, when, when you're at this point in the season and you still have a sub one ERA, you can kind of hard to argue with it. Yeah. Another sweep in this conference over the weekend was Missouri sweeping Ole Miss. I thought Ole Miss would steal one. You had Ole Miss winning the series. I did. I, and I apologize. Missouri offensively was just, they flipped both of us a middle finger. Right. And got hits all weekend off of Tillman and Jacobson and the rest of those rebel pitchers. I think this says a lot more about Ole Miss than it does about Missouri, frankly. Yeah. Just because... Ole Miss should have been able to steal one. They really should have. You kind of thought they might have ride the ship after that terrible start the first two weeks. Yeah. They'd got some good wins, and they'd kind of started, you know, coming together some. But, man, to to lose like that three in a row to Missouri. And speaking of giving the middle finger, did you see uh, Larissa Anderson's uh, tweet to the NCAA? I did. Oh, I think, did we tweet that from the out-of-the-box? Retweet I retweeted that from, it, yes. yes. It's good. Wow. You can go find it there. She is, and she's been on this train since the year started. She has said, look, my kids are here. They all came back. Nobody left. And I'm going to fight for them. And she is doing that in interviews, calling out the NCAA on social media. I mean, I commend her for it because, again, as we've said for about a year now, those that know the story know that this was very unfair. Yeah. And for them not to be, and this is a rough year for them not to be eligible because they would be you know, fighting for good, good positioning, I think in the postseason. And so just what I saw that today and I was like, wow, Mm. I like it. I like it until we go to Columbia. Of course, that's where Alabama will finish off the regular season. It will be literally their Super Bowl (laughs) because that's Uh, it for them after that. Gosh, just hopefully Alabama will have it wrapped up before then. Yeah, that's the plan. We'll see. Wild games in Lexington, a split in games one and two, again, game three happening already. A&M's already responded with a run. Sure. So, again, sure who really knows what's going on? But game one, Kentucky was trailing 8-1, came back to win 11-9. Game two, I watched. I don't know if you got to see much of it, but A&M was pretty much in control of that game the entire time. Got a really good outing out of Caleb Pointer in the circle, who I would consider A&M's fourth best pitcher, maybe third, and she looked really good. Yeah. Well, it's be interesting to see how things continue to move on because if you're Texas A&M, you really got to be kicking yourself, you know, dropping an 8-1 eight, eight lead and not being able to hold on to it. And then to play as well as you did in the second game, you really think that we had a good chance to win this series and maybe even look for a sweep as we'll see how today's game continues on. But these are just two teams that are still very difficult to figure out. Yeah. The Kentucky pitching continues to befuddle me autumn humes has a good day and then is terrible and grace ballman comes in and relief and looks really sharp and then gets a start and looks bad and then another day she gets another start and looks really good i don't even know and kentucky's got like 12 pitchers so they've got multiple people coming in for innings I don't know what Kentucky's going to be, which, again, carbon copy of everything we've ever said about the Wildcats. (laughs) We we still don't know. We won't know. Breaking news. Until the end of the season. Right. Oh, this was a good Kentucky team. Right. Oh, this was a bad Kentucky team. (laughs) But either way, they'll be number 16 and traveling to California. LSU and Mississippi State destroyed bad teams. That's all I wrote. I will say this. They didn't kind of mess around with them. Right. That's true. Um, Mississippi State had one close-ish game against SEMO, but right. other than that, it was pretty by the book. And poor poor Campbell. Oh, man. See what LSU did to them the first game? Second game, they actually had to play all seven innings. But the first game, I want to say that it was 21 to nothing? I think it was. It's something ridiculous. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, they brought in Joe Burrow to throw touchdown passes. 
thought it was and a little, then pitch. Right. I thought it was a little bit overkill, but you know, took care of the camp, uh, the camels of Campbell. I don't blame them for wanting to schedule quote unquote light teams the weekend before jumping into conference play. Right. After what has happened in the non-conference schedule for Alabama, I'm all for scheduling light teams pretty much the entire time. Gosh, give me little sisters of the poor. <laughs> right. I made fun of you, Georgia, and now I'm jealous. What is Niagara doing these days? <laughs> Before we wrap up this segment, <laughs> Tennessee, I've said this for weeks. This is a bad team without Ashley Rogers. I did think they looked better against Stanford the second time, but they still lost 7-2 to a Stanford team that had that has still not played a ranked team because Tennessee is not ranked. Right, yeah. And it took them extras to beat a Toledo team that would later lose to Stanford twice, I believe by a combined score of 27-2. to Again, the transitive property is not working in softball this year, but But that's right. It's all, yeah, all within the same weekend, be able to see that Tennessee has just not been very good with, without, uh, without Ashley Rogers. And we still don't know when she's going back. Yeah. I I do wonder, and you know, we'll kind of spin off to this to also discuss a couple other injuries happening. Like G Juarez did not pitch this weekend for Oklahoma. Right. With these pitchers missing so much time to start the year, Rogers has not appeared at all. Juarez has thrown all of six innings. I'm wondering if this year is almost a wash, you know, and you wonder if they do come back, will they be able to be sharp and get into a rhythm by the postseason, depending on when they get back or in the case of Rogers, depending on when they've said she can play, at what point do you just say, you know what, maybe we redshirt you and have you for three full years after this year? I think that question is always interesting in softball, especially because 95% of these players are not going to be a professional softball player when it's all said and done. So, you know, I think you have to start looking at how, how these different people are like on track as far as graduating you know, do they already have internships lined up? Are they already, you know, they have a job waiting for them? You know, would spending an extra year in college be very detrimental to their future as a whole? Uh, There's a lot of different things that go into it that maybe some other sports don't have to deal with as much. So uh, I think that's kind of a a case-by-case basis. But I think if it was just solely on softball, I think there's a lot of of credence to, and when you get to a certain point, if you haven't played yet, and the season, and it's not like you know you're you're going to be a World Series type contender. Maybe maybe we do hold it back. Yeah, and you know these pitchers are getting lit up this year. I mean, all right. the All Americans are seeing their ERAs go sky high. Gabby playing, congratulations to you. Just got back under a three ERA. Wow! All these good pitchers are getting hits off of them and allowing runs. And you know, I wonder in a year like that if you're not ready and if you're not tested. And if you haven't had that chance to warm up even really mm-hmm. at all. Right. I mean, at what point do you just say, you know what, we're going to save you? I think there, uh, there's so much that goes into pitching and some of it is about routine and, you know, how you how you prepare what you do in the offseason, things of that nature. I think that's one of the reasons why Montana Fouts has struggled early on is because I think in the long run it's the right move, but she didn't she didn't do her normal offseason pitching. Right. You know, had, you know, got played with Team USA you know, had the opportunity to participate in the in the team trials and then didn't throw a softball for three or four months when she normally would be kind of gearing up for the for the, the regular season. So it just I think that had a lot to do with her struggles early on. Uh, and hopefully that means she'll be rounding into form late April, early May, right in time for Alabama to make the stretch run. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. 
G. Juarez is a more interesting case because she has appeared this year. I think she's just tried to give it a go and it just hasn't worked. Right. But that's another case where I'd love to just hear a timetable and actually hear what's wrong with her. Nobody is more secretive than softball about injuries. And it's like a secret. It's like a double secret probation for Washington and Oklahoma, especially. No one can know. No one knows. They they barely let you know they're playing a game. <laughs> they're social media, not very active. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. That is us advancing to first. But wait, Tom, what is that over there? Through all the hatred and Friday night social media comments, (laughs) we will go and steal second with the legend, the great Amanda Scarborough. We've got a lot to talk about with her. Uh, Sydney Littlejohn's uh, high school coach. Yes. Taught her how to pitch. Not really. Right. Yeah, but they're very close. Had a hand in it. Yes. (laughs) I see the pitching joke you just made. I just did it. Yes. Well done, Tom. Thank you. It's time to steal second. Amanda Scarborough, ESPN, Texas A&M, and of course, the Seven Innings Podcast will join us on the other side here on the Out of the Box Podcast. Welcome back to the Out of the Box Podcast. We are stealing second here on the show. Gray Robertson, Tom Canterbury. We are the dynamic duo of Alabama radio, and last year we were announced as the triumphant trio at the end of an interview with this next guest out of the Seven Innings podcast, out of Texas A&M fame, and of course also an analyst on ESPN and the SEC Network. She is Amanda Scarborough. Amanda, how are you? Hi, y'all. I'm doing well. A little bit tired from the weekend, but doing great. Softball season doesn't get much better. It really doesn't, and you know, you saw an interesting series this weekend in Gainesville. We'll start there before we kind of travel around the SEC. And Florida got the sweep. I'm not surprised that the Gators won that series overall. You know, we knew the Auburn offense was a little inconsistent. They don't have the strongest bats, and their pitching staff's a little weak. Do you think this series said more about Florida or about Auburn? Oh, that's a great question. Um, God, and, you know, I, I want to say both, and I know that's the easy way out. Um, I love the rebound from Florida and the way that their pitchers threw. Um, Riley Trilicek, the hardest last name to say in the SEC, the freshman, <laughs> the lefty, um, she did outstanding. So did Natalie Lugo. So this is the pitching staff that I had questions about coming into SEC play as to are they going to be using five pitchers in a game or will their pitchers be able to go to complete distance? And so that's really what stuck out to me is that Trilicek and Lugo and the, that extra inning game, like they went deep. I mean, had they mm-hmm. not gone extra innings, they would have had three complete games by two different pitchers. So that really stuck out to me. Um, and Auburn, a little bit for bad reasons, so to speak. I hate to say that because I hate to be down on a team. It's just they didn't do one thing well. Um, Samantha Yarbrough had a great outing uh, in that extra inning game, but I just was a little bit let down by them, and I can tell that they're Mm -hmm. going through some challenges right now, and they're going to have to try to figure some things out within SEC play. We we don't mind you being down on Auburn. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. I forgot it was talking to for a second. Yeah, but I do think you bring up a good point, and something we talked a lot about on Sunday as we were kind of wrapping up the weekend and the press box at Rhodes was that it seems like Auburn's really going to struggle this year in the circle when Yarbrough's not pitching and you know she she kind of really just was thrown into this ace role more or less kind of came onto the scene just a couple weeks ago but do you think that's true because the rest of their pitchers just haven't shown me enough yet to think that they can compete in the SEC this season. Yeah no I I do agree with you and so she threw that middle game Yarbrough did 
Um, and Lexi Hanley, the lefty, she got the game one and game three starts. I wouldn't be surprised if um, just health-wise, arm-wise, injury-wise, if Yarbrough can handle it, if she would, moving forward, be the game one, game three starter. Or you know how it is in the SEC whenever we start to get into SEC play, the bottom half of the SEC actually starts to throw their ace in game two, trying to go up against the quote-unquote non-ace of the better team that they're playing, trying to sneak away with a win, right? So that's a little bit of strategy once we get into SEC play is that if you're the lower tier, lower ranked team, you throw your ace against a better team trying to get that win. So I, maybe that's the case. Um, she didn't throw as much because a little bit of like kind of easing her back into the beginning of the season with just the little, I think, overuse injuries from last year, whatever the, the specifics were very not specific, but overuse <laughs> injuries. So that could have been the reason very well that, you know, why she wasn't throwing a ton at the beginning of the season, not due to her talent level because she was outstanding. Bringing you to uh, Tuscaloosa was a, uh, a SEC series victory for the Crimson Tide over Arkansas, but Arkansas looked real good in game number one with Autumn Storms in the circle. But it's been a kind of a roller coaster season for Alabama so far. What have you uh, seen from the Tide, and what do you think uh, this weekend means for them? Yeah, I I was looking at the same thing, and even before talking to you guys, I I wanted to just compare some offensive numbers from last year to this year thinking what I thought just from perception, right, is that the offensive numbers would be much lower this season. It's just it's totally just a feel thing. I've not sat there and watched every inning, every pitch, like you guys may have, you know, of every mm-hmm. game. But just from an overall feel, I thought that the offensive numbers were going to be a little bit of a drop-off. I knew pitching would be, but I also thought offensive would. And it's not that big of a drop-off. I was shocked they're actually scoring the same amount of runs per game. The biggest drop-off I see is the home runs per game. But even OPS... Uh, is a little bit higher this season. They're still scoring runs, putting runs on the board. Um, I just think that, you know, they're just giving up a few too many runs, and it's hard for your offense to keep up with that. And then, you know, offensively, you mentioned the the power numbers down, and some of that is because of Bailey Hempel and then the fact that she led the nation in walks entering last week and uh, seeing teams just really pitch around her. The The rest of the team seems to be doing pretty well in protecting her, but the bat is being taken out of Bailey's hands more often than not. Yeah, and that's unfortunate. I'm sure very, very frustrating for Bailey Hemphill because there are so many expectations for her coming into the season labeled as a preseason All-American, and you know what you're capable of. And so it's just frustrating because it's whether you're not getting the pitches that you want to get or maybe you're just not doing what you should be doing with the pitches that you are getting whenever there's a mistake. I mean, there's a lot that goes into that, but you know, one thing that does stick out to me is, okay, so say Alabama's not going to hit as many home runs as they did last year when they hit 89 home runs in 70 games. I, I love the lefties like Skylar Wallace, like KB Sides, like Mac stepping up and using their speed and their versatility. That's a fun part of learning okay, we have a lot of the same players, but even though these same players might not be putting up the same results, what is the look, the feel, the identity of our team going to be this year, even though we have a lot of the same players back? And I think that's what Alabama is trying to figure it out. And they have so much talent, you guys. I truly think Alabama is still a top five, top seven team. And they're just, you know, they're going through some beginning of season struggles, but they have the talent to figure it out. I think that they will because Coach Murphy's a great coach. And we saw some talent on the other side here this weekend with the autumn storms in the circle for Arkansas. But uh, it seems to me as though their their offense is going to uh, to struggle to really be able to uh, to put up enough runs 
when the games in the games in which like unlike on Friday when Storms was almost untouchable uh when they're when the pitching staff for Arkansas gives up some runs I, I don't it's going to be tough for that offense uh to make up for it I think yeah it might but that still she is the type of pitcher that can beat anybody I love the fact that she's a senior and I love also the fact that she keeps the ball down and changes speeds when you have a pitcher that will stay at the knees and below and change speeds really on any given weekend, you have a chance to not only be the team once, but to be the team twice, which is of course what you have to do in regionals and super regionals or even in, um, in within SEC play. So I still like her and her competitiveness and her fight and what she brings to that Arkansas team. So if they can scratch out just a few runs against her, then, um, then they're going to be really good. Top 20, top 25 team. Amanda, earlier this year, I was called by your colleague, Caleb Rowe, a Tennessee hater because of my doubts for Tennessee coming into the season. I asked, okay, they've got Ashley Rogers, but who else do they have to pitch behind her? And with Rogers out, we have seen Tennessee really unravel. Callie Turner's really been trying her best, but they just don't have the depth behind her in the circle. But I think what surprised both Tom and me is that Tennessee has struggled in all facets of the game with Rodgers out. Why do you think that is uh, so far early in this season? You know, because it's just really hard when one of your leaders to go down goes down. I mean, this is a sport where you live and die by your pitcher. It just is like. And you could be a center fielder and like have a lot of respect for center fielders and slappers and power hitters. But at the end of the day, if you have a shutdown pitcher, your team looks and feels different. And so when a pitcher like Ashley Rogers, who's an all SEC performer, isn't getting the ball, not like just not, I mean, she's not getting the ball at all, right? Like she hasn't set foot into the circle. Your team can start to panic. You're losing some games that you're not supposed to be losing because while you're trying to figure it out, you're going through some some tough moments, right? So um, I think, in my opinion, this is a Tennessee team that played a little bit better last weekend, um, and it just takes some time. You know, the thing about softball, you guys, is that we play, what, like 20 games in three or four weeks, and you (laughs) play like a third of your season in a month, and that's the same month where you're trying to find your identity and your culture and the look and feel of your team. So it can go off of a cliff really fast and it can look really bad, but at the end of the day, you still have a good amount of time to pull it back together and right the ship. And I think that Tennessee looked stronger last weekend than what they had early on this season. And really that's what it's all about. You're just trying to get a little bit better every single weekend. And I think that Tennessee's doing that. We continue to kind of go around the sec with Amanda Scarborough and the one of the other series that we saw was in Athens where Georgia took two or three from South Carolina, the Gamecocks winning game one there, but then Georgia coming back. Uh, do you think Georgia is a realist, realistic threat to uh, be a conference contender this year? You know, I, I think that I, I don't know if they're going to be at the top, you know, fighting for that one spot. Um, but speaking of growth, I really like the growth that I have seen out of Georgia so far this year. Uh, this is a team, another, uh, the SEC just started out a little bit bumpy. It's like being in a car and like going over a speed bump multiple times, right? Like up and down, up and down, kind yes. of volatile. But to me, Georgia has stuck out in a sense of playing their offense together, being able to score more runs, and it's going to be all about their pitching staff. You know, they rely on three different pitchers who, in my opinion, have all gotten stronger in the past few weeks. I think that Georgia was looking really strong last weekend against South Carolina, who put up a really good fight against them. Uh, Mary Wilson Avant looks strong. 
Uh, also, Allie Cutting looks good. And then Lauren Mathis, who's starting to figure out a little bit more. Um, but I, I think this is a Georgia team that might not be contending for the one spot, but uh, in the upper half of the SEC for sure. Yeah, and I had Georgia as my number two team in the preseason. I called myself a Mary Wilson Avant truther. And I think against South Carolina, we saw kind of the good and the bad she had that first game where she had the 13 strikeouts but the eight walks but then she appeared in every game in the series and really kept the Gamecocks off balance and I think if Mary Wilson Avant pitches like that every weekend you know Georgia could be in a position to be a, a certainly a regional host but maybe even more this year no I think that you're absolutely right because she has really good stuff and that's why I was a little bit hesitant on Georgia to begin with is because there wasn't one pitcher in the first couple of weeks of the season that was really standing out, in my opinion, as their true number one, as their ace. And with the way that she's kind of gotten things back into shape, I think that she's looked great. Um, And I think that's truly how you can see an ace, too, is if she's able to go up against a team multiple times, twice, maybe even three times in a weekend and keep them off balance. That says a lot about her, her stuff, and the different looks that she's giving a really, really good South Carolina team. Well, a team that, I mean, they've maybe got four number ones right now. I'm not really sure is LSU. Uh, I was watching the game last night between Kentucky and Texas A&M, and again, referencing Kayla Bro, she threw out some awards for this point in the year, and she said best pitcher was the entire LSU staff. And the Tigers have gotten great years already out of Wickersham, Kilponen, Gorsuch, and Sinceri, which I feel like we've seen before, but it's all about sustaining that in SEC play. And I'm wondering if you think that can happen for this team this year. Yeah, I, I really think that it can. The fact that all of these pitchers were there last year, they all have more experience from last year coming into this year. They have more training with Beth Torina. I, I really think this is a solid staff. And I'm not just looking at their numbers. I'm looking at when I watch them pitch, what does their stuff look like? And when I watch LSU pitchers pitch, no matter what name you say, all of them look better. They have better command. They have more confidence. They're just attacking the zone better. So this LSU staff, in my opinion, too, would be the SEC pitcher of the year. Not just going to give it to one of them, but to their entire <laughs> staff with the way that they've thrown. I mean, they've done so well a .93 ERA on the season. So they can give you a bunch of different looks, and it makes it really tough for an SEC opponent to prepare for on the weekend. We're uh, recording this on Monday night, so we will know, don't know the results of the final game between Kentucky and A&M that's going on here in just a little bit, but... Uh, your thoughts on, on the alma mater? They have had some really bright moments. Now, they've lost some games. They shouldn't have lost uh, at this point in the season as well. But I love the way in the past two games, specifically against Kentucky, that their offense has just thrived. They've had some really good at-bats. They've shown great plate discipline. They've, they've been able to get some big hits. Um, and then they've they fought to go up against Kentucky, who's arguably in the upper, what, three of the four teams in the SEC this year mm. um, and show some fight early in the season. I've been really impressed with them because, quite frankly, they should have two wins and a series victory against Kentucky based off of that first game that they played where they were up by seven or eight runs. They mm. should have put that one away. So an unfortunate loss in game one. But I, I've really, really liked the way that they've looked in this opening opening weekend for sure. I can't wait to see what happens tonight. Are you kind of in the same boat that we are? It seems like perennially Kentucky is just an enigma that it's hard to figure out even halfway through the season. <laughs> yeah, you always think <laughs> because they're really well coached and they have really, really good athletes. But 
for some reason, they just have these like ups and downs within a season. But it's like if you're a team preparing that for them to play them in the SEC, like you're going to take them very seriously mm-hmm. because they can beat anybody. But at the same time, I also kind of feel like they're a team that can lose to anybody too. Um, so you just you just never know. I, I don't. And I really, Nigma is a great point. I don't know why that is about them because they are very well coached and prepared. Yeah, it's every year for whatever reason. <laughs> and we, we try and predict these games and these series and just, you know, and no offense to the Aggies, but it, it really shouldn't be happening that A&M has outplayed Kentucky in Lexington two games already in this series with one more to come. But that's what's happened, basically, even though Kentucky was able to eke out a win in game one. Yeah, and I think that it's probably more about their pitching than it is about their offense, the way that um – you know, their, their pitching staff is pretty strong, and they have a couple of great arms. I mean, Grace Ballman has been there for a while. I thought Shorman, Megan Shorman, has had a great start to the season. So um, I was surprised by that. And, and maybe it's nerves of opening SEC, and two, they're finally getting to play at home. You know, I think this is the first weekend that they've actually gotten to play at home, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe I could be wrong, but it's been cold there. Um, so I don't know what it is, you guys. I can't quite put my <laughs> finger on it, but... I look at them and I always see so much potential with what mm-hmm. a team like Kentucky can do. And their offense still to me this weekend has been really, really strong, put up a good fight. We're talking to Amanda Scarborough here on the stealing segment portion of the out of the box podcast. And Amanda, I'm, I'm curious as a broadcaster, when you're going into these games and looking at these pitchers, you see the stats, you see the ERAs and you see some of these innings pitched and a lot of the aces across the country, Megan Faramo, Amber Pfizer, they've already thrown a lot of innings here to start this season. So which number when you're looking at it is more alarming to you, a high number of innings pitched already or a high ERA at this point in the season? Mm, probably both. Um, you're throwing so many innings like a Megan Faramo. Um, I'm concerned for how you're going to be feeling uh, in the month of May when it really matters. Um, and two, that that means that nobody behind you is, is getting experience. And I think that early on it's okay to throw your number two, throw your number three, and let them get the, the, the in-game experience, even if you lose a game. I mean, one loss, two losses is not going to kill you at the end of the season if you're more like a higher-ranked, higher-RPI team. Um, but you know what stuck out to me is just the lack of dominating pitching in the SEC. And I think this is going to be a major storyline, maybe not even just for this year, but and for next year, the year after, until mm. a dominating ace steps up. And you guys, I was looking at this yesterday when I was at Florida. Last year, uh, in the past two years, I'm sorry, there have been eight All-American pitchers graduate from the SEC. And if you take it back three years to when Sidney Littlejohn graduated, there have been 10 All-American pitchers graduate from the SEC. And we're talking about dominating Alexis Osorio-type pitchers, um, Allie Wall-Jasper, Carly Hoover, uh, Kelly Barnhill. Like, you can just, the names that off of this list have been, like, dominating pitchers. And the SEC just doesn't have that. So I think they're trying to scramble, find a different way to use their complete staff. And then when you have a pitcher like Montana Fouts or even Sarah Cornell not throw the way that they have in the past, like it makes it even tougher for the SEC to have that strong, solidified pitching when they're losing all these good arms and the pitchers that they do have that should be stepping up are off to a, a rocky start. Texas coming into Tuscaloosa here this weekend and they are uh number two in the D one softball poll that just came out and we'll see where they fall, but they're going to definitely be in the top five and all the other polls as well. Uh, coming in 
to T-Town. Uh, do you think this is maybe the year that uh, Texas can, uh, or somebody other than Oklahoma wins the Big 12? <laughs> <laughs> I like that little chuckle. Right, yes. Um, I, I do. I, I really think this is the year. Oklahoma, I don't know what to make of them. I, I really don't. I can't figure them out. We're not talking a lot about them. I don't know what G Juarez is up to another injury. That's like, we don't know that much about she's not been pitching. And like, it's just been they've flown under the radar as like a top five, top 17, wherever they're ranked in the polls. <laughs> right. And we do, and they're young too. So you think about a team like Texas that has the experience of Elish and Iacopo and Shannon Rhodes, the, the transfers from Oregon, plus the players that have just stepped up and gotten better with Mike White that were already on the Texas team. And I, I think this is a very solid Texas team, uh, not to mention they have two with Ellish and O'Leary, two co-aces, so to speak, as O'Leary has had her ups and downs this season. But th- they're both pitchers that can give a top five, top ten team a run for their money. And, I, you know, I think they showed that last year in the Super Regional against Alabama with how hard they fought. And that was a huge turning point for the Texas program. And, and Mike White has talked about that with how he saw his team come together when Ellish got hurt in Tuscaloosa and when she went down, just how hard his team fought and was able to get back into the game, get back into the Super Regional and give Alabama a run for their money. Alabama this season has had a lot of matchups with top five type teams. They had the really good run rule victory over Washington and Clearwater, but outside of that, uh, the Tide has struggled against Arizona. They've lost two to Arizona. They've lost to UCLA. Uh, What do you think Alabama will need to do uh, differently to get some victories over Texas here this weekend. It's just going to be really important for their pitchers to step up and not give our limit free passes to Texas. Texas has a very good offense. Um, They have gap to gap power. They have home run power. They have speed with Jefferson and a little bit of speed that can come off the bench and pinch run. Um, And it's a team that, that plays okay defense, not great. Okay. Defense. So for Alabama's offense, there's, players need to be able to put the ball on the ground, put pressure on Texas's defense because they're a little bit vulnerable at times, specifically on the left side. So um, I think that could be a key to Alabama's success offensively. And then, like I said, in this circle, you just have to limit the free passes because it's a very strong offense. you got to go at them and mix speeds. As soon as you said the Texas defense is okay, my thought immediately went to Alexis Mack. And what an interesting weekend this will be for her playing so many of her former Oregon teammates, as well as her old head coach, Mike White. Uh, She could be the key this weekend for Alabama against the Longhorns. Yeah, you know, I guess Mike White is going through this a couple of times because I called the games when Texas played Louisiana and his former pitcher, Megan Kleist, who pitched with Miranda Ellis at Oregon, uh, pitched against Texas and all of her former teammates. So I'm sure it will be really interesting interesting for Mac. Um, and, uh, you know, I have to give it to Kleist. I mean, she threw well against Texas. So if Mac does the same thing that Kleist did, uh, she should have a pretty good weekend. Kleist threw well against Texas in front of her old head coach. Talking with Amanda Scarborough here on the Out of the Box podcast. She is from the Seven Innings podcast, our podcast friends from over at ESPN. Just, again, making sure you don't get benched. We, we you know, cover all the bases, as always, <laughs> with our guests from ESPN. <laughs> and, uh, Amanda, we've talked a lot on this podcast and in and, and text conversations with Jen Schroeder and everybody who knows this sport about just how crazy this season has been. I could see 20 teams maybe that could legitimately make it to the women's college world series. Is there any dark horse contender maybe outside of the top 15 that people aren't talking about that you could really see making a run to the 
Oklahoma City into the Women's College World Series? You know, it's always a hard question because the softball fan of me wants to sit here and say, oh, yeah, there's there's all of these teams that might make it. And I think, and look, I think there are some really good teams like a Fresno State, like a Cal State Fullerton, like a Mississippi State that, you know, hasn't been there lately, or even like at Eastern Kentucky, who has like a 16-game win streak. But to make it to the Women's College World Series, to actually get there, I just don't know. I, I, I don't, I, I want to say no, but the softball fan in me wants to say yes, that maybe a team like Fresno State can make it, but it's just so hard, and you have to have shut down pitching. It's a must. You can't just have an okay pitcher and get there. You have to have really, really great pitching. And four teams like a Duke or Fresno State or Fullerton, they have solid pitching, but it's not like the pitching that um, usually that we've seen in the past has gotten into the women's college world series. And that's a difference maker. Um, but at the same time, maybe we see more of these teams in super regionals. That's what I think that I'm excited about is a mix up at regionals to see who makes it in the postseason, who mixes things up at regionals and makes it to that super regional and upsets some people. Is that why you think you give yourself a chance? Because then you give right. yourself a chance, right? Once you once you make it to super regionals, then you're just two wins away, mm. and really you might have a little bit of luck go your way, a call go your way, a big hit, a big swing that your team steps up, and then things get a little bit magical, things that get a little bit juicy there. But it's just hard for me to believe in these other teams when their team ERA is like two point five, two point three, mm. when the teams that make it there generally have you know below a two ERA. Say, is that why you think maybe sometimes that we don't see very many Cinderella type runs is because a lot of these teams, especially the Cinderella type teams, have that one really good pitcher, but once once you get past that first pitcher, it's really that second pitcher that can get you through a regional or super regional. Yeah, and it goes back to um, what we were talking about with the All Americans that have graduated from the SEC and the dominant what you you would genuinely call like dominant pitching. A dominant pitcher can pitch game one and game three and give you two wins. And to get to the Women's College World Series, a super regional, you're going to have to go two, maybe three games. But that dominant pitcher cannot just win one game, but she can win two games. That that third game is the difference maker. It's one thing if you can beat a team once, like we've seen in February with all these upsets, right? But mm-hmm. my question is, who can beat a team twice? That's the difference. To beat a team twice to make it to the World Series, that's when you get the Cinderella stories. That's when you can get like the little bit of extra magic. But that's the, the most difficult thing to do, I think. And our sport is to beat the same team twice. That is a World Series caliber team, super regional caliber team. That's a dominant pitching that we're talking about that the SEC is lacking a little bit. Amanda Scarborough here with us. And Amanda, before we let you go and get ready for Miked Up Monday, because as we're recording, it's about to start in Lexington, uh, you're headed to Baton, or excuse me, to Columbia, South Carolina for LSU and South Carolina this upcoming weekend. South Carolina is obviously dealing with a lot of injuries in the circle. I've heard rumors. I'm not sure if you know anything, but I've heard rumors, oh, might be out for the year. Uh, we've just talked about how strong LSU is, but what are you expecting out of that series this upcoming weekend? Man, I, I haven't heard that, and I hate that for her. I'll see if I can get the scoop when I'm there this weekend. Um, I expect to see a South Carolina team that I tuned into in Athens or whenever they were playing in Georgia, um, and that was feisty. They were so fiery. Carson Oaks, who has stepped up, I love her. I love 
her. I was watching her pitch and the, she was fist pumping, emotional, fired up for her team. Like she's the type of pitcher that I would want on my team fighting for me that believes truly that she could beat anybody. So going up against LSU, I mean, they're playing at home. She's going to feel comfortable. Um, I just think LSU is going to be one of the top two, top three teams in the league this season. So she's going to have her hands full. Um, interested to see how LSU takes on their first SEC game because they were they had a bye last weekend. So I can't wait to see how they play, how they're fired up for their first SEC games and how Carson Oaks and out in South Carolina handle it. It'll be a good one, I think. Well, it should be a lot of fun. We will have our eye on it when we are not talking about Alabama, Texas, and the other games the Crimson Tide has this weekend. And Amanda Scarborough joining us here on the Out of the Box podcast. Amanda, thank you so much for taking some time out of your Monday night to chat with us. It's been a lot of fun, and hopefully we'll see you at the Rhodes House very soon. Oh, I hope I forget right now what my schedule is. But thank you guys for all that you do and the coverage that you give softball and can't wait to be on again. You better schedule me soon. I love you guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. Are you kidding? Thank you. Hey, the plan is at the SEC tournament, we're going to commandeer the SEC now set and do the live podcast like we did with bro at Clearwater. So just be ready oh. for that. We're gonna, we're, okay. going, we're going to you. we're going to sneak in after hours and set up the mics and talk about softball. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Good idea. I hope you guys get away with that, and I hope I don't get in trouble. For I was just saying, if any, anybody you can talk to to help make that happen, we we'd appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are great. Thanks. Keep it up. That is stealing second with Amanda Scarborough. When we get back, we will round third and do on second thought. Which of our preseason predictions do we still like? Do we not like? We'll discuss that. Tom, Tom, well, Amanda agreed with one of yours. She did. We'll talk about that when we get back. Plus, we've still got off the wall coming up and picks. All that later on in the show here on the Out of the Box podcast. podcast gray robertson and tom canterbury here as we round third as per usual just another spectacular interview with one of the experts of the sport amanda scarborough just wheeling and dealing knowledge right yes. now like she's back in the circle at AM. <laughs> a lot, lot of fun talking with her and uh, i really enjoyed her insights on especially on her thoughts on texas and texas a&m yeah you know you know that she has a lot of inside info on those two teams and should be a lot of fun and ready for this game with texas and alabama here this week in these two games As she referenced it she saw the louisiana texas games mm-hmm. in austin and i mean we'll see i uh, i might text her and get a couple notes for scouting reports and whatnot for for myself not sure not for team purposes but <laughs> either way texas is a part of one of your land mining gold mines tom they are absolutely loves. yes and it's time for on second thought hmm. which is where we look back at our landmine or goldmine <laughs> predictions and either say you go gray or you go tom uh-huh. or we say you idiot what were you thinking? What are you thinking? Way off. Back when we were so young, before the season started. Before the season walked into a bar and has not left. <laughs> That's all. Before the season continues to ask for directions to Main Street while standing on Main Street. It's the way this college softball season is going. Oh, boy. Should we do your first one or my first one? Uh, we can start out with you. Okay. My first one was Alabama sweeps the SEC awards except freshman of the year or coach of the year. How do you feel about that? I feel feel okay about it i don't feel good about bailey hemphill for player of the year right now no probably not 
But I could see KB Sides or Skylar Wallace or Alexis Mack getting it. I mean, sure. they've been dynamic. I think pitcher of the year is going to be a complete shootout. I have no clue who's going to take it in this conference. I do think you can make a case for Patrick Murphy for coach of the year, especially if Alabama wins the league, considering what the non-conference looked like. Right. And then if you look at the adversity that this team has gone through with the injuries and that type of situation, this went from a very, very veteran, deep team to a pretty young kind of thin team quickly with the injuries that has yeah. happened. So I think if he if he's able to win the SEC, I think you got to give give him heavy consideration. Bottom line, though, I will be shocked just because of the way the SEC is going to be this year. If we see any team sweep, no matter you know, how many games a team wins this conference by, I don't think you're going to see one squad get four of the five awards. So I right. don't feel great about it. I do feel good about one of freshman of the year or coach of the year going the way of Alabama, though. Okay. All right, what about yours? Uh, my first one would be Alabama winning the SEC by exactly four games again. Don't feel great about it. I, I still feel confident Alabama can win the conference. I, I still think they will. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be runaway, though. No. Unfortunately, with Florida kind of having a resurgence, I think, and the fact that you don't get to play Florida, I think we'll have an issue. And then LSU, you know, so much is going to ride on that weekend series here in Tuscaloosa. Mm. Yeah, I don't feel good about yours either. Yeah. Sorry. And then having to play, again, having to play Missouri the last weekend. That's the scariest thing in the world. Yeah. If Alabama's got a one or two game lead going to Columbia. I don't like it. No. No. I, I would almost pick them not to win uh, the conference because of that. Because you know Larissa's going to have that team fired up. We need to have a three game lead at that point. Yeah. If you have a three game lead going into Missouri, I'm okay. But this year, yeah. it's going it, be tough. Not going to get swept. I'm going to, uh, Alabama will not be swept this season. I feel confident about that as well. So, Hopefully. Yeah. All right. My number two two SEC teams will miss the NCAA tournament, not including Missouri, and no more than two will make the Women's College World Series. I feel really good about the first part. Really good. Yeah. It may be more, actually. Yeah. I would be shocked if Ole Miss finds their way in. I think Auburn's just three games over 500 now because yeah. of the sweep against Florida. If they can't get it, somewhat turned around and win 33% of their games in conference play, they're going to have a tough time making the tournament. I think A&M could be in danger. So I feel really good about that. Yep. And I kind of feel good about the second prediction as well, just because there's so much parity this year and the SEC, you know, they're, they're still strong as a conference. I think the good teams are really good. However, they've been losing to a lot of the other highly yeah. ranked teams this season. So I feel pretty good that we're going to get a healthy mix of conferences in OKC. It's all about matchups. It's how, what, how are things matched up in the Super Regionals? That's what it's going to come down to. I'm with you. I feel pretty good about it. Yeah. All right, your number two. My number two. Somebody other than Oklahoma wins the Big 12. Couldn't feel more confident. Yes. I'm in. Very excited. I think the bigger question is, who's it going to be, Texas or Oklahoma State? Yeah. Oklahoma State's got five ranked wins this year. That's crazy. And it's weird because we saw them up close in, in Clearwater. Nothing about them just jumps out. They are just really good up and down the lineup, yeah. and then they have good pitching. Nothing no, nothing no, elite. Right. Nothing special, but just really solid and good. Yeah. Uh, I could definitely see this being the year Oklahoma not only finishes not first, maybe not, fin- not second. Yeah, and Oklahoma, the more I keep track of their games, it is becoming quite clear until Juarez comes back, and maybe even when she comes back, 
for the first couple games or weekends where she's available, the offense is going to have to win them games. Yeah. Because their pitching has just been a little bit too inconsistent for me. And by the way, Shay Knighton not there anymore. No. But they've got Thank one goodness of the snow she's sisters. Gradu- Thank goodness she's graduating. <laughs> they do have a snow. And they're it's not that they're bad in any any stretch. They're good. I just this might be finally the year someone gets them. I think it is. I really do. And I you know, most years we make our midseason women's college world series predictions or we discuss the teams that could make it mm-hmm. and this kind of dives a little bit into my number three but i have a hard time saying oklahoma i don't think i don't think right now i would say oklahoma would be on my list of eight well here's the thing with oklahoma even when they are obviously the elite team in college softball they usually find a way to maybe lose a game in the regional or they you know they go they go three in the supers this might not be the year they want to do that because mm-hmm. they aren't that much better than everybody else where they can afford to lose one and, and come out of the loser's bracket and do things like that. If, if they get a tough matchup in either Supers or maybe even in their regional, it could be tough for them. Yeah. Here's my number three. Again, mm-hmm. kind of teased it a second ago, but at least four non-regulars will make the Women's College World Series. Again, I did teams that had made it four out of the last 10 years in the last decade. So the regulars were Oklahoma, Florida, Alabama, UCLA, Oregon, Washington, Tennessee, Arizona State, LSU. I know Tennessee and Arizona State ain't making it. No No offense to Arizona State. They actually could. Eh, Arizona State might. With the right matchup, Tennessee's not. So I see a bunch of non-regulars and teams like a Texas and Arizona. The list I have here includes Louisiana, Oklahoma State. I could still see a world where Michigan, with the right matchup, could ride Megan Bobian hmm. and get to Oklahoma City. Bottom yeah. line, I do feel pretty good about this one. Yeah. I'm worried you might get five of the regulars, quote unquote, because that Oklahoma, Florida, Alabama, UCLA, Washington five. Yeah. I, I could see them making a run, even though I just made those comments about the Sooners, but I still like that the parody could lead to something of this nature. I think it definitely could. The other non-regular possible contenders, Northwestern, they're they're not making it. No, they're not. But <laughs> they're not making it, and I think Tennessee's not making it. But I think in the only thing that could hurt the chances of the non-regulars is one, the fact that Arizona is considered a non-regular. I think you know, I think they're very much a contender to make it. But other than that, it's hard for me to say who of these regulars is not going to make it. Right. It just depends on what the uh, matchups are in supers because I think any of those other teams other than Tennessee have a good shot of making it. Because I've got problems with every team. When I look at the rankings, you know, we talked about UCLA and they're really good. They're really sure. good. Yeah. But by the postseason, has Megan Faramo thrown 300 innings? And is she okay? Right. I mean, what do they look like? And we'll discuss their conference opener in a few minutes, but what do they look like when they have to try and figure out the pitching staff in a series, you know, and every other team I've got questions about. So I really don't know what could happen when we, when we get to mayhem. But how many times do we see, look at the final eight that make it to the women's college world series and be like, how do they make it? Like we have questions about these people. There's rarely eight perfect teams that make it. There's always going to, everyone's going to have some questions. That's true. So, but we'll see. We'll see. Again, I think if this was ever going to be right though, 
yeah. this season oh. looks like it. Oh, the, the way this season has been, this is the year for the Cinderella's. Yeah, I would like to go ahead and congratulate Loyola Marymount <laughs> right. on their trip to the Women's College World Series. <laughs> we, we will see Wichita State there when we get there. We'll you see. heard it here first. Yeah. All right, you're number three, Tom. Uh, my number three, coaching turnover in the SEC. At least five teams will have a different coach next year than what they have this year. I think I still feel okay. I'm, it's, it's, I think five is high. Yeah, it's a needle you got to thread to get to five, but I think we can. It sounds to me like Courtney Diefel is not going to leave. Coach Die, Diane Ninemeyer, did retire last week, actually right after the podcast was released. But based on conversations I heard, it sounds like she would not accept that job just because the facilities and, frankly, the salaries in the Pac-12 are not right. up to snuff compared to the SEC. Oh, they would have to, they'd have to bump it up. They would. So maybe she'd say yes if she got the right number, but I know that was something we had our eye on coming into the year and that I think it's less probable than we expected before the season started. Okay. But I still think I think Ole Miss is, is going to be almost assured yeah. they have a new coach next year. Yeah, lock it in. Still would not be shocked if Auburn has a new coach. Let's just say, for the argument's sake, Dyfel goes to, to California. So now you just got to find two more. Joe Evans. Uh, Joe Evans, I think, has, still have a very good chance of retiring at the end of the year. So that's four. It's, it's finding that fifth one. But here's the thing. Who thought last year that we'd be talking about a new coach at Ole Miss with Mike Smith? That's true. That's so, true. So there's those those four, and then I think there's that fifth one that's, that's out there that's going to be a surprise. All right, I'm going to mention something again. This is not even me saying they should be on the hot seat, but, and I said they, that should clue you. Oh, goodness. Could this be it for Ralph and Karen Weekly? Or maybe just Ralph. Would that count? No, because it'd have to be a totally new coach for next year. So yeah. I, I would not count that. But I could see that happening more than even if they I don't see them falling off to the point of where they're not going to make a, a regional or anything this year. I think they'll they'll do that well, at least. And I, I think they would Tennessee would be crazy to, to force the weeklies out at that point. So but really high expectations coming into this year to sure. in the preseason. poll. Yeah. Yeah. And Tennessee, in a very low key way, has kind of been a dumpster fire. Yeah, it has they've, been. they've won a couple games. No, again, I think that Utah win earlier this year is looking a little bit better now that the Utes are ranked. But Northwestern win means nothing. But <laughs> yeah, maybe oh, if yeah. it was ever if there was ever a time for Tennessee to say, you know what, I, I think it's it's time to see what we can do. It'll probably be this year. Maybe so. I don't think it'll happen. I don't. I'm just, yeah, I'm saying that's a possibility. You know, I, I would think Georgia would be an outside possibility if things go haywire there. I think the last couple of years, Lou has done a good job of taking maybe some of the the heat off of her. Yeah. We'll see. I, I, I still think there's, there's one out there that we're not, that we don't know. Oh God. It will become as a complete shock when it happens. If it is Patrick Murphy, I don't decide Patrick. Murphy. I'm driving into construction. And just <laughs> well, you don't have to go very far. Yeah. You don't have to go very far. <laughs> it's about a three minute, right. three minute journey from the studio yeah. here. No, I'm not saying that in any, any stretch, but yeah. you know, but I, I hear you. I mean, there's something, there could be something in the works we have no clue about. Right. If there's something else that opens up in the Big 12, does Tim Walton take a look? Rachel Lawson has been consistently one of the names that people think is ready to take one of those top five, top ten jobs if those ever come open. So you never know. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of that has to do with, you know, are there other dominoes that fall? You know, like a couple of years ago, you know, the head coach from Oregon goes to Texas, so Oregon opens up, that's a big name, and then all the dominoes go. So right. that I, I think one of those type of things will happen, the carousel will end up where there's five changes. Yeah. All right, before we head home, big non-SEC games this upcoming week or weekend or important midweek games, and I threw in or important SEC midweek games because Wednesday, 
the first meeting between Florida State and Florida. Wow, these are always big. They are. And I would right now pick Florida. I would too. And again, where where is the Florida State team we saw the first week? Where are they at? They're, they're not in Tallahassee. We both fell through a portal and we're, we're still in the upside down. I to, I'm, I'm serious about this. I think on the way to Tallahassee, our bus crashed. Like in Lost, <laughs> but we didn't realize it. We all, I mean, right. I was asleep the whole ride. It could have sure. happened. I have no idea. It's very possible. We woke up in the Upside Down, and we've right. been living this weird ABC drama life <laughs> since the first, second weekend of February. We're in the sideways universe and need to go back to the island. What's what's going on? We have I, to go back to Tallahassee to try and fix this. Right. If I got to fight a smoke monster at the circus in Tallahassee, I will do it. Whatever we got to do. I'll bring the whip. It'll be good. <laughs> It'll be fun. It'll be good. Yes, where you can learn the circus in Tallahassee. It is a major, I think. <laughs> I don't know. If not, then they're really missing a chance. <laughs> All right, we've got other conference series coming up. Not a ton jumped out at me, but there were three that really popped off the map, uh, including Minnesota and Texas Tech playing in Hawaii, which is fun. That's well, not that's, a conference matchup, but still. That just makes me jealous. I know. I'm, I miss that. Our spring break is in Knoxville. Advantage, Minnesota, and Texas Tech. Great times. (laughs) The three conference matchups that really popped off to me, Florida State at Duke is interesting. Yeah. Because Duke, we've already seen them take down a giant this year. Utah at Washington. I think if Washington doesn't sweep there, it's because they don't really know what they're doing with their pitching quite yet because they've got some good arms. Kelly Lynch has been really great this year, but, I mean, the question is how do they manage in a series? Right. Yeah, and that's that's the big question that you get once you get into conference play is how do these pitchers that have done well in single games against teams that are not used to seeing them, how will they do in teams that will have a better book on them and have to play them once if not twice? Yeah, and same with UCLA. Mm-hmm. They host Arizona State. I'm fascinated by this because is Megan Faramo about to pitch three games? Is Madison mm-hmm. Preston about to start against UCLA? You mean the secret weapon for the Sun Devils? She's been really good this I know. Year. Yeah. Props to her. I Absolutely. Mean, it was clearly a good move. I think UCLA should sweep Arizona State, but if Arizona State steals a game, that rings a few alarms because yeah. if they steal a game, it's probably because they're facing either Azevedo or Sosa. If this, game, if this series was in Tempe, I'd probably pick them to steal a game. And since, since in L.A., I will go with UCLA with a sweep, but... Yeah, if Arizona State can get one there, I think that says a lot for the Sun Devils, too. Yeah, you're right about that. Uh, we said that in the in the regionals when we saw Arizona State last year. They had the offense, mm-hmm. and they still have an offense. Has, is, has the pitching come along enough to them to be a real contender? We'll find out. Yep. Let's say we make some real, actual 100% picks. Yes, let's do it. Let's do it. It's time to head home. We've got picks. We've got off the wall. Oh, goodness. Oh, man. We've got so much coming up when we get back here on the Out of the Box podcast. All right, it's time to wrap things up. We are heading home here on the Out of the Box podcast. Gray and Tom in the studio, you in your car, on your plane, nearing your destination, or as SID extraordinaire Nathan Sheehan told us, part of... I guess commute five on his way to and from work when yeah. he listens to the podcast. Yeah, or people out there on the treadmill or taking a run around town, which I'm not doing that, Walking but I know some people are. Yeah, some people may be doing that. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not no. either. We're in here <laughs> podcasting, obviously. Yes, indeed. And it's time to head home. 
let's recap what we've done. We started at the plate talking about the Alabama-Arkansas series and previewed a little bit the T-Town showdown this weekend. Then we advanced to first, broke down the SEC and all that is happening in the conference where it just means more. We stole second with Amanda Scarborough, got a lot of great information out of that. And then we rounded third and said, you know what, I actually feel pretty good about most of our landminer gold mine picks, I think, which was the main takeaway, really. Right. You know, I pretty much said we were right. So it's what we're saying. Bottom line. Right. Bottom line. Nailed it. And now it's time to head home and start with SEC picks. Considering, as we record, <laughs> Kentucky leads Texas A&M 9-1 in the bottom of the third. Now, to be fair, Kentucky was down 8-1 in game one of this series, but I'm going to preemptively assume A&M does not have the firepower to come back and Kentucky will win that series 2-1. Thank you very much. So Tom's got four correct. Bing, bang, bang, Kentucky, bong. Alabama, Georgia 2-1 over South Carolina, and the Florida sweep. Props to you, partner. Thank you, sir. Yeah, I like it. I got two. Got two. Hey, Alabama, which, by the way, no right. small feat. Oh. We both got the Alabama series right. Which did not do once last year. Never. Like, literally did not do it the entire time. And we did it. Yes. The curse is over. Right. No more DMs from Donna Dykes. <laughs> That'd be a fun book. DMs from Donna Dykes. Put that on her coffee table. Uh-huh. I also got Georgia again. Um, right. But, you know, it was, that was actually, I think, a pretty easy one to predict, frankly. You're right. So the only one that, that I just absolutely swung and missed on was Missouri Ole Miss, pretty right. much. Right, yeah. Yeah. That was your one reach, more or less. I don't. Yeah. I didn't think I had any reaches. I just didn't. Uh, Kentucky sweeping was maybe kind of a reach, but not really. Right. They probably yeah. should have. Mm-hmm. Although, to be fair, you could also say A&M probably should. Should have won the series. Yeah. Right. So, but, who knows? Yeah. Let's dive into week two in the SEC. We've also thrown in a couple non-conference Ooh. things in here. Do these count? Do the they non-conference do. ones count? They do. Okay. Because it's a three-game series. All right. So, we'll All count right. it. I'll allow it. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. <laughs> LSU at South Carolina as the reigning week winner, Tom. Please, after you. I think it's going to be a very similar series to their matchup they just had with Georgia, so I'm going to say South Carolina will steal a game somewhere from one of the just dominant pitchers that LSU has, all 10 of them. Uh, But I think South Carolina gets one, LSU wins it 2-1. I'm right there with you. LSU 2-1. I think if LSU sweeps... We've got a problem. <laughs> we, we have issues, yes. <laughs> this is it. Because South Carolina is losing their pitchers. They're not losing their offense. Mm-hmm. And they should be able to out-hit LSU at least once and get a game. Especially at home. Yeah. I think if this was at Tiger Park, I would be more comfortable with picking an LSU sweep. But, Me too. But because yeah. it's in Columbia, South Carolina should get one. So I'm, I'm right there with you. I think LSU wins 2-1. If South Carolina wins this series, I think we have to reevaluate everything we've said about LSU. Right. Which... Maybe we will. Which I, I won't be upset about that if that, has, if that is the case. I'll yeah. be fine with that. We'll see. So now we got the enigmas. Oh, boy. Kentucky at Mississippi State made more enigma-esque mm. because it's in Starkville. <laughs> Where anything can happen. I guess I'm going to go first. Yep, you will. Because Kentucky is an enigma, which means they're going to hover around 500 all year. And they just won this series, most likely against Texas A&M. I'm going to take Mississippi State 2-1. The Mississippi wow. State, I know, and I don't even like that team. I don't think they're very good, yeah. but I think their pitching is hot right now. Annie Willis, the transfer from Troy, is pitching out of her mind, striking out everybody. Emily Williams, we know what she can do if she gets innings, and Fale Lewis has been as productive as ever. 
I think the Kentucky pitching has been inconsistent. We've seen that this weekend. Autumn Humes is pitching good right now, but she's got an eight-run lead. Mm. I like Mississippi State to get two. And I think it helps that they're at home and that this is their first conference series and they've kind of had a limited non-conference the last couple weeks to figure out who they are. To be fair, that could also mean they haven't been challenged and this is kind of their first real test, but mm. I just I don't I don't like Kentucky this year. I know we say they're an enigma, but I don't even like the enigmaness. Yeah. So I'm taking Mississippi State to win the series. Mississippi State just had uh, a tournament at home where I believe they pitched at least one no-hitter against SEMO and Mississippi Valley State. Uh, and that's impressive to do no matter who you're facing. But it was against either SEMO or Mississippi Valley State. I can't remember which one it was. But that being said, I think Kentucky, they're going to take some of the momentum here from looks, what looks like is a dominating win over A&M. And I think they take two or three from Mississippi State. I'm going to say Kentucky Two, Mississippi State one. If Mississippi State is able to get this series, I'll start reevaluating some of my thoughts on Mississippi State. Yeah. Let's move on to Gainesville. Baylor at Florida. Three-game series. Mm -hmm. Florida has their off week in the SEC. Tom, this will count. What do you think? I'm going to say Florida sweeps them. Really? Yeah. Why? (laughs) Well, I mean, look what they just did. Okay. I know it's against Auburn. I was impressed by Florida being able to completely shut them down. And we saw what they've been able to do. The fact that they were in a position to win all three games against Louisiana. Yes, the Cajuns did come back and win two of those three games. But Florida played well for the most part that entire weekend. They will have probably learned from that situation and take it against this Baylor team. I think Baylor still only has really one pitcher that can handle a Florida-type offense. And I think Florida will be able to get it done. So I'm going to go Florida with a sweep. All right, so I calculated the winning percentages for each conference against ranked teams. Number one is the Pac-12. Number two is the Big 12. And Baylor this year is 3-2 and two against ranked competition, and I think they get a game in Gainesville. I think Florida still wins the series because Baylor, you know, I haven't watched them, frankly. I know Gia Rodoni has been pitching well, but I don't see them winning this series, but I do think Rodoni has a game where – they're able to quiet the Florida bats because there are still some of those times when the offense disappears for Tim Walton's team. Mm. And I think they get a game. So I've got Florida two one. Okay. All right. Next up. Oh, here oh we go. Gosh. Here we go. Tennessee at Texas A&M. Woo. And I'm first. Yeah, you are. Come on. A&M two out of three. <laughs> and I hate the pick. Oh. Just like I hated my Kentucky sweeps pick. Tennessee's mm. not good without Ashley Rogers. Now, to be fair, Allie Shipman had a great weekend this past weekend in Knoxville, but that was against non-conference teams, against a decent-ish, but not really, Toledo team. <laughs> right. And East Tennessee State team that they should not have lost to earlier in the year that right. they yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just This is a shot in the dark, and I think I will say this. If I'm right, Tennessee needs to redshirt Ashley Rogers. If they can't beat A and M without her, yeah, then this year, then this isn't it. This is not the year. I don't care how good she is; she's not going to make that much of a difference. That's how I feel. I've got A and M two one Tennessee. I'm giving you a test. See if you pass it. Wow. Yeah. Call them out. I am. Wow. I'm going to say Tennessee wins two out of three. Yeah, I'm not a fan of what's happened at Tennessee this year either. But A and M outplayed Kentucky. 
two out of three games but did not win the series and then I, I don't know if they'll be able to translate anything further, even though they're coming home. It's not like they've been dominant at home this year. They've, right. they've, they've lost actually some, been worse at home, you right. could argue. Yeah, they've, they've lost some tough games at home already, teams they shouldn't have lost to. It may be an opportunity for Tennessee to, you know, they might have that come-to-Jesus meeting after this weekend and say, you know, now or never, we got to get going if we're going to do something this year. And uh, maybe they do that. So I'm going to say Tennessee wins two out of three. I think that is a smarter pick. I'm just riding on the fact that Tennessee has literally not lived up to any in-game sure. expectation I've had for them. Right. We'll see. We'll Again, see. Tennessee, I'm throwing it up for you. Are you <laughs> going to the ball? Are you going to watch the ball go by? Are you going to try and slam it down? All right. Make me wrong. Prove me wrong, Tennessee. Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Missouri at Auburn. You're up. Can I just go with the Tigers? <laughs> I hate that you made that joke. <laughs> no, Tom. <laughs> Boom, boom. Missouri sweeps them. I'm right there with you. Really? No, I'm not. Oh, I'm come changing on. my mind. Oh. I'm gonna, I think Yarbrough gets a game because I think uh, Scarborough okay. was right. I think Auburn and Mickey Dean switch her to Friday, Sunday. So I think she gets one game because she's looked really good. Yeah. You're probably right, but I'm going to stick with the sweep just because it's Auburn. And it worked last weekend. And it did, 100%. And wow, if Auburn starts off the, the season at 0-6 in the conference. Our predictions do not bode well either way. <laughs> no. Either way. No. Let's move on to Fayetteville, Georgia at Arkansas. I am up Georgia two out of three because what I saw on Sunday concerned me about Arkansas. Autumn Storms had an offense make adjustments against her. And once that happened, Mary Half is still obviously not healthy no, at all. No. And Jenna Bloom, I think, has a really bright future. She did some things really well. Yeah, she wasn't bad. Games. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But she's not ready yet to yeah. start against a really good offense like Georgia and win a game. So I think the dogs get two out of three. The Arkansas defense also was an issue. <laughs> they, yeah. they struggled a lot uh, throughout the weekend against Alabama. And that was without Alabama really trying to do a whole lot havoc wise on the base paths. Like we talked about that Alabama only had one stolen base. I think that that's, that's a problem too for Arkansas. They only had four, four runs against Alabama in three games. Uh, you're going to have to score more than that, obviously, to to be able to win a conference series. So I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go Georgia 2-1. I like it. All right, let's close it out with the T-Town showdown and give Alabama's record, not any in-games, right. but record after the weekend. It is BYU, Texas, Bryant, Texas, the schedule. Tom, you're first. Wow. All right. Well, I am going to say Alabama for the weekend goes 3-1. and one. I'm right there with you. Yeah. I think that's the goal. Frankly, right. you would like to you would like to win them all. Sure, I think the realistic goal is three and one. If you can split with Texas, that'd be great. If that one loss was to BYU, but you swept Texas, I think you'd say, you know what, whatever. Sure, Fine. right, yeah, you'll take that. But if you can get out of here with a winning record and certainly with a win against Texas, you're pretty happy. Yeah, I think that's what it all comes down to is if you can get at least one from the Longhorns because not only that. I would assume that would mean that you will. I would be shocked if Alabama run rules Texas. So that means you will have played a seventh inning against a really good team and won the game. So that that is that is going to be that is the most important part of this entire weekend is if you play an entire game against Texas and finish them off uh, if you have that opportunity. It's very important. All of a sudden, what this yeah. weekend means yeah. for Alabama, it really is. Oh gosh, I, I do like again. I like that it's one game a day. Over over four days, yeah. Uh, so Alabama's not having to play a doubleheader against two different teams. And I think um, we have to keep in mind Alabama was hitting Ellish pretty well last year. Yeah, in supers and O'Leary 
you know, she gave up the sides home run and the hemp hill home run sure. in game three. Mm-hmm. So it's not like Alabama's never had success or never seen these two pitchers. Yep. And, you know, a lot of these Texas wins have either come on neutral sites or at Texas. So we'll see how Texas can, how they travel, how they go to an opponent on their home field, how they can play. Yeah. And without a big crowd, because remember they went to UCLA, but a lot of those kids are from California. Mm-hmm. Mary Icopo, I believe, had 100-plus family and friends there. Sure. So they had a strong contingent. That yeah. will not be the case this no. weekend. It'll be a true uh, road environment for them. So we'll see how that goes. Um, I think it, it's a very important weekend for both Alabama and Texas. Yeah. And and Al- that being said, Alabama needs to not stub their toe against BYU or Bryant, obviously. Of course. Right, that, they won't against Bryant. BYU... It could be tricky, but Alabama should win. I mean, yeah, they should, but that's we've said that a lot. That's fair. All all year long about everybody in college softball. That's one thing. Alabama, they've had their ups and downs. No bad losses. Even you know North Carolina, because of what's happened after, doesn't look as, as good. But we do have but, to remind folks, Brittany Pickett right. has been out pretty much since that series in exactly. Tallahassee. Right. And they're not the same team without her. Sure. So that there's no there's no just glaring losses, right? You know, it's just been a frustrating time because you've been able, you should have been able to get some more of these victories, and you've lost them for one reason or another against good teams. See if that changes. Yep, hope it does. That's picks, and now it's time. We'll be together for one of them. We will. It's time for off the wall. Oh my gosh! Here we go. <laughs> Tom, you're first because I've got a lot to say. Okay, once you once you go. Okay. Uh, well, a lot of it kind of goes back to I'm not don't have one just blank in my, in my head that I'm picturing, but a lot of the comments on Friday after the game, I would like to just point out that softball like baseball is a game of failure. You know, that's one thing that coach Murphy pointed out on Sunday in the pregame interview. You know, if you go, if you are successful four out of 10 times, you're an all American. You're a hall of famer, right? Right, but if you do it for a season, you're going to be an All-American and and probably a first-team All-American. That means you failed six times. So there are going to be games when you're either going against a pitcher that just is having a really good game or the offense just for one reason or another. You're hitting the ball hard, but you're hitting them right at them. You know, you're getting hits, but not at the right times. There are going to be times where even the best offenses are going to struggle. And that's just what happened on Friday. It was it was a tough game for the offense. Pitching was fine. You give up one run in seven innings, most of the time you're going to win the game. That did not happen against Arkansas on Friday. Arkansas, yeah. and, the, and that's another thing, Arkansas is not the Arkansas of the past. This is a top 25 Arkansas team. They're going to be able to beat some teams moving forward. We, we've discussed that they have issues, but... They're not perfect, but no. they're... I mean, they're, they're going to be in contention to host regionals, I think, maybe. Yeah. They're going to be on that bubble pretty much all year long. Probably so. So it's, it's not a team that you can just roll the bats out there and, and beat, like might have been the past uh, in the conference. So I think there was a huge amount of overreaction for what happened in game one. You know, you and I, we, you know, we talked about it. We were as frustrated as anybody at a loss for what was going on. But I, I think, again, if there's anyone who has earned the benefit of the doubt it's Hall of Famer Patrick Murphy. For goodness sakes, look at what he did last year, and we're just ready to hey, the game's passed him by. Come on, people. I mean, seriously. How old do y'all think he is? I mean, my gosh. What does this mean? You're right. The game passed him by. He's not some 80-year-old <laughs> man with a cane. Right. So it's, again, just let's have a little bit of, I'm not even sure what the word is, just 
common sense when when you're watching a game you can be frustrated we were all frustrated but it, it there is a segment of the commenter which has inspired the off the wall segment that wants to prove themselves right about being anti Alabama mm-hmm. the Alabama fan quote unquote that wants to be right about Alabama not being good about something which I don't understand I've never understood that mindset and that comes out in a game like what happens on Friday and the fact that there are twice as many comments after a game like Friday as there were after a game like Saturday and Sunday when Alabama was great why 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 aren't we celebrating that more than complaining when when it's a bad game I just I don't understand it's 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 just one of what can become a cesspool of social media I have told you I keep my list so I look for some of these names right none of them pop up in the wins like that. Sure. They'll pop up in the 3-1 wins, say, why couldn't we get more hits? And why didn't we score more? <laughs> right. Stuff like that. And again, as I've always point out over and over again, softball, baseball, these type of sports where you play a lot of games, you're going to have games like that, and no game is going to be different. You're not going to just blow everybody out every game. It's not like in football where if you played three games in a row and you won 10 to, 10 to 3 or something like that, then you can say, well, there's major issues going on right mm-hmm. here. It's not necessarily the case. Sometimes teams just kind of go through a through a lull offensively in the season or pitching-wise, and it doesn't mean that they're not good and doesn't mean they're not going to be there at the end. It just means they had a bad day, and I, I don't think that there is enough recognition of that being a possibility in this sport, and again, there's not enough recognition of sometimes the other team just played really well. That's good. Like so there that. you go. There so there you go. go. That is my – and, you know, I, I kind of ranted earlier – on, on my other part. You of the did. Well, I but did. I yeah. agree with all that. Again, <laughs> not if somebody's hurt, we'll tell you. Right. If we if we know and we have been given clearance to inform you because the parents, usually it's the parents that want to sign it off and sure. you know the, the training staff wants to make sure they know what's up, we'll tell you. Montana's not hurt. I, yeah. I'll text her right now and say, <laughs> are you hurt? And her response will be no. No, I'm fine. Going to so be, again, down. going to be really ready in April and May. Yeah, why do you want her pitching now if you think she's that good? Right. Have her have her if she's got 70 innings by the World Series, good lord. <laughs> get out of here, teams. Forget about April. Here comes Montana. <laughs> we don't even need April. Right. It's like just, she wasn't even there. So she wasn't on the team. <laughs> April. Okay. Uh, I've got mine. Okay. I've got All right, I've got two that were just copied and pasted from, from previous. Oh, wow. We've got after Friday, another will be lucky to get to 500 again. Again, people, <laughs> come on. Why? Why is this necessary? <laughs> what What makes you think that, all right, they lost the one game. Oh, that they're getting swept then. Right. Yes. But right. I didn't even the Auburn game when we were tracking that series in Florida one game one. My first thought was not, well, that's it. Throw in the towel. Auburn's getting swept. <laughs> I didn't think that. No. But why are Alabama fans thinking that about their own team? I don't. I don't understand. It makes no sense. We're we're for as much success as Alabama athletics as a whole has had in virtually every sport. The most pessimistic fan base in the world mm-hmm. for no reason. The sky is falling at the right. littlest things. Yeah, and I don't understand. It makes no sense. It'd be one thing if we had no history of success. But I mean, we see it in football too. Like, when yeah. Nick Saban, literally, by most accounts, the greatest coach in the history of college football. But and if not him, the other one Alabama right, had. Right. The other one also coached at Alabama. 
maybe things will be okay. Okay, sorry. Ugh, Go ahead. I okay. didn't mean I, No, it's, it's fine. It's still yours. Still yours. Also, the other guy copied and pasted, again, with the whole Murph needs to go, team has no heart. If you still believe that, you didn't watch games two and three. That's all I have to say. But I don't have to comment on it. The team spoke for themselves. Right. Yes. Finally, I would like to address what happened Saturday night. Social mm. media got out of control real quick. And somebody, for the first time in my four years with you in the booth and in the two years we've done this podcast, came after me and came after me hard, real hard. And, you know, we've said in the past that if somebody comes after us, fine, come after us instead of the players. I'm okay with that. Sure, that's Don't true. send what you're saying to me to right. Sarah Cornell or Alexis Mack or anything like that. But Although it was said during the, the tweet that the team sucked. So that was yes, helpful. Yes, that's true. Right. So yeah. that's fair. Yeah, I guess yeah. this still kind of qualifies for Alabama sure. off the wall. Uh-huh. But I think that as I was reading this, this Twitter message and this person really just would not leave me alone and I didn't answer any of it. And there were a couple of other unfortunate things that came out of it. But there's just an anger about social media sometimes that I don't understand. And... I really feel for those people out there who just want to put out like vitriol and acidic commentary to people that they don't know. I don't understand what would possess a person to say some of the things that were said to me and some of the things we've seen said to Patrick Murphy and some of the things we've seen said to many people associated, but not just Alabama softball, but with the world and with sports in general. Yeah. Why is that okay for you? Why is that okay for anyone? I don't understand that. And look, I know with social media, it's impossible for everybody to be cordial and kind. And this is not a world where it's going to be, you know, high fives and handshakes with every tweet and message sent. But I think sometimes those out there that are sending these hateful things need to sit back and reevaluate themselves and wonder if this is the kind of person they want to be in the kind of world they want to start. Yeah, that's what bothered me. Yeah, uh, there's a lot about social media that is bad as far as that goes. Uh, there's a lot of it because you're not you, – people feel the uh, power to be able to say things and have what they feel is no repercussions. Right. Like people would not – this person probably would not come up to your your face and say the things that, that he said. And it's just it's – a, it's a commentary, unfortunately, on uh, society. It's a – you know, I've, I've always said, if you want to see just the dregs of society, whichever side of the, the fence you are politically, but go to the social media of the president, former presidents or the current president, and just see just people that are just, they cannot be happy people. No. That, and it is just how they can allow somebody that, again, that they, that they don't know to affect them the way that they have. It's just, it's sad. It, it really is that. And I say, you get mad. I've had unfortunate instances and interactions on social media as well. And you get mad at the time. It usually ends up with a block from me because I don't want to deal with them after a while. But then when you go back and look at it, you think, this person must live just the worst, saddest life in the world. How miserable do you have to be yeah. to be sitting somewhere, not at the game, and from an anonymous profile, which right. is the, usually the case, mm-hmm. commenting at, Someone you don't know who is also, I mean, I'm not trying to use my age, but I'm a college kid. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not like some adult that you know or some, I'm, just, I'm a kid. I was, in, I was in junior high when Alabama won a national championship <laughs> in softball. Right. And I don't understand why you would do that to anyone. I don't understand why you do that to players. I don't understand 
the mindset for some of these people. And we use this segment to make fun of some of the crazy stuff made about the game in general. Mm-hmm. But I think also there are people who post stuff like this, certain people who have been blocked from the Alabama Facebook page. For, for a good reason. Yes. Yeah. There was another comment on the same thread that somebody else needed, you know, felt the need to drop an F-bomb and, and be upset. And it's like, this is that person, who, another person who is a constant, just got to be a terrible, horrible person. Yeah. And so why, why do that? Why do that to yourself? Why do that to other people? I don't get it. So I just want to encourage everybody, not just think before you press send, but maybe think before you even type. <laughs> right. And maybe just think in general. Right. And Evaluate. Stop being the person that creates the negativity that we're seeing so much in the world. Yeah. That's all I have to say. And if you think that you are somehow representing some fraternity that other people are trying to get into or not fraternity as far as, but I mean, just a, a, yeah. a group of people, not, not, not sorority fraternity road. I'm not talking about those. Mary Francis, turn right. off the radio. Right. We're not I'm talking about you. Not talking about you people. I'm, talk, I'm talking about just, you know, if you think it's your part of a group or fraternity that people are trying to pose or trying to get into, if you think that you're representing that particular fraternity, it's not one I want to be a part of. And I, I think that the current inundation of that fraternity is in a much better place than that other one was. I agree. That's off the wall. That is very off the wall. I'm glad I'm glad I said that. And I hope some folks out there have taken that to heart. That might have been for like seven people at the most, maybe. Yeah. But. Because it really off the wall usually is, but some some folks need to hear some things yeah. that happen out there. And you know, and again, just because it's not a direct interaction with somebody, if you put something on the internet, it's always there. Mm-hmm. And there are repercussions for that sometimes. There are, you know, hurt feelings. There are sometimes more than that. You know, cyberbullying and that type of stuff is, is I mean, it's a platform of presidential candidates. Yeah, it is, a, it is a major seen, issue. We've seen what, what has happened to me this past weekend, happened to a lot of people associated with the program, be taken times 10,000 and had worse results. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so... You know, it's it's just not worth it. I mean, no, it's not. No, and and again, the off the wall is supposed to be it. It's supposed to be a, a cathartic, and I think it was today. But you know, something where everyone's like, yeah, that's just stupid, and that's what you that's what you got to think. Most people that are reading this type of stuff think that you're the stupid one, not the one that you're kind of trying to call out. Right. So always keep that in mind too. If I was if I was not a part of this and I read this, who would I think was being the a hole right now? Uh, just remember that. Yeah. That's off the wall. It is. There we go. It's time to wrap this baby up. Tom, where can people find you if they want to see you get into fights with people on Twitter? <laughs> Before I block them, they're always available uh, at T Canterbury, R-T-R, C-A-N-T-E-R-B-U-R-Y, R-T-R. And uh, we're there. As long as you don't try to tell me that Deontay Wilder is a terrible boxer, it probably will go okay for you. Yeah. <laughs> I am at Gray, G-R-A-Y underscore Robertson. I would also like to throw in there a lot of people that came to my defense on Saturday night, and thank you to those folks, mm-hmm. but we're good. Everything's let's, fine. Yeah, let's worry about it. I don't want to worry about it anymore. Let's just ignore it. 
because that's what you do to trolls when they crawl from under their bridges. 100%. Yeah. And then they'll usually crawl back they do. where they can. They get from. bored and go somewhere else. Right. If you want to follow the show's Twitter account, at outofthebox underscore pod. And, Tom, it is a weird weekend for us. Yes. There are four games. We're together for one of them. I am present for two of them. <sighs> where can people find you and then us? Yes. You can always find us. All the games are uh, we uh, radio for every game. What? I know. Stop. I know this will shock you, but yes, we are at every game with radio. I'm shocked uh, right. and stunned. <laughs> and if you're in Tuscaloosa, you're listening over the air, you can find us 93.3 FM, and uh, that has every game there. We're on the air 10 minutes before our first pitch of everyone with the Golden Flake pregame show on the Crimson Tide Sports Network. And then if you are listening to us via the internet, you can uh, go to RollTide.com and under the schedule page, for Alabama softball, there's a listen live link. You can click that and hear every game. And also there's the app for 93.3, the praise. Perfect. Yes. Love that. SEC Network Plus coverage. You've got Eli Golden, Sydney, Little John on Thursday. Me and Sid are doing Alabama, Texas on Friday and also Texas Bryant. Oh, yes. So I will not be doing a so, board for Bryant. I apologize. I'm so going to just use paper. Are you on the Longhorn Network Plus? We are on ESPN3. So I will have all new closed copies and reads and whatnot. I have to completely change my mindset so I don't go to commercial saying we're on the SEC network when we're not. Crazy. I'm glad we're not on the Longhorn Network. That would have been just confusing. (laughs) Uh, And my grandparents, who are Aggie graduates, would have murdered me. (laughs) (laughs) They would have totally disowned you. Yes. And then Roger Hoover and Sid are on Saturday, Sunday. We'll be back on Sunday to radio it up with the GoPro. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Thank you to Amanda Scarborough for joining us. It's time to close things out for this episode of the Out of the Box podcast. Again, huge week for Alabama softball. Thursday, you've got BYU to kick off the T-Town showdown. Then Tom has all the coverage Thursday through Saturday. I'll be on SEC Network Plus on Friday for Alabama-Texas. And then we're back together, as mentioned, for Sunday between the Crimson Tide and the Longhorns. Again, we will have gifts. We will have reactions all at the ready. The GoPro has just been charging for two and a half weeks, pretty much. (laughs) It'll still run out of battery quick, but we'll be ready to go. (laughs) Thank you again to Chicago Gump for all your work. (laughs) As always, as well, we'd like to thank you, loyal listeners, for your continued support of the show. Just the Twitter interactions that are positive have really increased. I put out a tweet last week that said, we're really close to 800 followers. Help us out. And before I could blink, we are at 850. That was impressive. Really good work by you fine folks out there. I'm really close to having $1,000. If somebody would like just to give me 1000 <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> Sorry. Man, I can't help you. <laughs> okay, all right. We really do appreciate it so much. But it's time to close out this show. For my partner, Tom Canterbury, I'm Gray Robertson. We'll see you this weekend at the Rhodes House and next time on Ad Box.